So, King of Kings, what we have today, if you want to turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 21, today is, I always want to say Good Friday, it's not Good Friday service, it is Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday and the triumphant entry that you read about in the scripture are kind of one and the same, and that's what we're going to be going through today. Before we get to reading, I want to thank Pastor Todd for allowing me to be here. It is always a lot of fun getting up here. Always a big time privilege to get behind what Pastor Bill Louder in Apache Junction used to call this sacred desk. He said, I don't take lightly being behind this sacred desk. And, and I thank Pastor Todd and Stephanie for allowing me to be here. And we also want to have a recognition for young Jacob that uh, filled in also last week. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hey, Jacob, how old were you when you first started coming here? Fourteen? This kid, you know what? How old are you? You're like 25, 26? 25. So he's been going here 10 years. He started going here about the same time I did. He reminded me a lot of me because he had to, he, he got saved at an early age, and he had to get to church any way he could possible. Had to rely on people for rides and ride his bike, do whatever, do whatever it took to get to church. I was 12 years old when I got saved, and a lot of times my folks didn't take me to church. I had to find a way to get to church. And I remember telling young Jacob, he had a, you had a, you had a little truck, right? Yeah. And it had a flat tire, right? All the time. All the time. <laughs> It had a flat tire, and then he, he, uh, uh, I helped you change that flat tire, and we got that thing changed, didn't we? Today we're talking about change. When Jesus comes to town, there's a big change. But now, I remember telling Jacob, and I remember telling his family uh, back there that, uh, you know, if you were a company, I'd buy stock in you. Because, you remember me saying that? Yeah, because you know what? These kids are going to do great things for the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 So we're going to read this morning, and we're going to read Matthew chapter 21, starting with verse 8 and going through to verse 11. See, I have, I have a real Bible up here. You hear that? Yeah. Used to, in years gone by, you'd hear the flipping of the page, not so much anymore. You hear the boop, 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 yeah. just like that. Like yeah, yeah, just like that. So, starting with verse 8 of chapter 21, book of Matthew. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city, everyone say all the city. All the city, all the city was moved. We're going to key in on those little words right there. You know what? When Jesus shows up on the scene, guess what? Things happen. Stuff happens. Stuff starts to change. Stuff starts to move when Jesus shows up on the scene. Uh, all the city was mo moved saying, who is this? Some of them maybe didn't know who. Jerusalem was a big town at that time, maybe as many as 100,000 people. And then during Passover, it would double in size because everybody from the surrounding areas would come to Jerusalem, come to the holy city, 
for Passover. And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray over the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful word. God, as we read your words, Lord, I pray that your words will invade our hearts and our minds and our lives and our spirit. God, so that we can see your good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Lord, we ask you to bless your word and bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what was happening here is this comes down to really the last week of Jesus's earthly ministry. I don't want to say Jesus's life because we know that his life did not end on the cross. So it did for a while, but then he rose again on the third day, and we'll talk about that on Easter. But right now, what we're dealing with, so that the prophet Zechariah prophecy would be fulfilled, saying that the king of glory is going to come to you, and he's going to come into the city triumphant, but he's going to be riding a donkey, he's going to be riding a young donkey, and he's going to come in, what is more scary, and I say this almost as a joke, what is more scary than, than a king coming to you riding a donkey? Riding a donkey of all things. I've seen those all old movies. I see it where Caesar and, and Alexander the Great and all these ancient rulers, what do they come into town? They come into town, chariots and horses, big white horses, or maybe if they're evil, like in the old time uh, TV westerns, they ride on a, a black horse or something, but no white horses, no black horses, no, no, no chariots, no nothing like that, no entourage happening. There was an entourage around Jesus that kind of, kind of formed, but they cut down branches from the tree, and they spread them in his way, and if they didn't have trees around there, they took their coats and their cloaks and their garments off, and they spread it in the way right there. Five days before the crucifixion, Jesus rides into town, and everybody is hailing him as the king, as the conquering hero, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Not in the way that they thought he was going to be a conquering hero, because what did they think about Jesus when he rode into town? They thought, oh, here's the guy. Here's the king of the Jews. Here's the one that's been foretold of old for the last hundreds of years. Here's the guy that's going to fix our problem. Here's the guy that's going to run Rome out of Jerusalem, going to run him out of Israel, and then our king is going to be back. It says that he's the king of the Jews. It says that he's of the lineage of David. Most of them understood that, and so they thought, certainly this is the time. We're going to hail you as our king, hail you as our hero. Hosanna to God in the highest, which is just another way of saying praise to God. And this is going to be the guy that gets Rome's boot off of our neck that's been there for the last 200 plus years in that area. This is the guy that's going to do it. Yeah, amen. But he didn't, really, did he? No. That's why the crowd turned in on him, I think, a few days later, because they saw this conquering king. You expect a conquering king to, to what? I've seen the old-time movies, you know. Expect him to come into to town and to fight with a sword, right? To march their way into, uh, into whatever palace or temple there was and whoever the people were in charge. And certainly he'd have an army with him. And again, you know, probably horses, which were the ultimate war 
vehicle at the time, but he didn't have a horse. He had a donkey. That's a little confusing. And so uh, they were confused when they saw that this hail to this king, this conquering king, this conquering hero, all of a sudden was outside of town with his 12 disciples, and one of his guys betrays him. And then he goes on trial. They thought that they were going to have a king that would take the throne immediately and remove the enemy from the land. But how many of you know that Rome wasn't the biggest problem in the world at the time? The biggest problem at the world during that time is the biggest problem in the world during this time, and that's sin. And that's rebellion against the things of God. Jesus didn't come to rescue a city from Rome. He came to rescue the world from sin. And that's what most people, in fact, just about everybody, didn't understand except for Jesus. Jesus understood that, and he knew that. And he knew that the way he was going to, he said, they asked him, he says, do you have a kingdom? He says, yeah, I have a kingdom, but my kingdom's not of this world. He says, if my kingdom were of this world, Sister Nadine, he said, I'd call my, my soldiers to fight. He says, but nobody's going to fight you because my kingdom's not of this world. The way that he got to the throne was through a cross. The only crown that he ever had at that time wasn't a crown of gold and jewels. It was a crown of thorns that they mockingly put upon his head. That was the crown that they, that they had for him. The crowd yells, Hosanna. He was entering the city. The crowd hailed him as a hero, thinking he was going to overthrow Rome. They thought that he would save them from their enemies. He was going to, but he was going to save them from their sins. Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says, and he's talking about Jerusalem now, this beloved city. Remember, Jesus was there, okay, during the time of creation. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld him. Jesus was present at the time of creation. He was there. He said, when Abraham was, I am. You know, when Moses was, I was there. I was there. I was the one who was there making all these things happen. What did he say in Matthew chapter 23? What was his address to Jerusalem? Did he say, oh, thank you, Jerusalem. Thank you so much for welcoming me into your town. Thank you so much. Yes, there's changes that are coming. Remember the old Bob Dylan song, the changes are coming. Yeah, there's going to be great things that happen. No, he didn't say that at all. What did he say to Jerusalem? What did he say to these people who were crying out, Hosanna, shouting praises to God, welcoming him as a conquering hero? What was his assessment of the whole situation? What was his assessment of the crowd? What did he think about Jerusalem? You'll read it in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, but you would not. You wouldn't do it, Jerusalem. I came to, I've come to you over the years. I've sent prophets to you. I've sent messages to you. I've sent letters to you, prophecies to you. But all you do is run them out of town, and if they don't run fast enough, you kill them. That's what you do, Jerusalem. And 
all that I ever wanted to do was gather you together. And I love that imagery that Jesus has. Gather, have you ever seen, have you ever been in a chicken coop before? Have you ever fed chickens? Have you ever seen chickens? Have you ever gathered eggs? Have you ever seen the hens and the chicks and everything? What does that hen do? You know, chickens are pretty dumb. They are. They're stupid animals. But there's one thing that they do do is when, when the little chicks, when it's raining or when there's danger, boy, those little chicks run around the, the mother hen and she just gathers them around her and they don't leave her side. That's what we should do with the Lord. But Jerusalem wouldn't do it. Jerusalem wouldn't do it. They wouldn't recognize him as the Lord of glory. What was Jesus in store for? Let's take a look at it, guys. He was going to be betrayed. He was going to be abandoned. Doesn't sound like much of a king, does it? But remember, this is the triumphal entry because Jesus saw past the politics, past their immediate need to have Rome uh, out of their lives forever. He saw that sin was the need. Sin was the problem that the earth had, and he was going to take care of sin. He was going to be betrayed. He was going to be abandoned. His most trusted follower would deny him. Another one of his followers would betray him. 30 pieces of silver. He was going on trial. He was going to be scourged. He was going to be found guilty, although he was innocent. And think about that for a second. We see he is the, how do I put this? He is the first person in the history of the world from before and since that was truly innocent. You can send a person to, to trial, to, to, you know, and the judge and the jury and all that, and they may be found innocent of a crime, right? But you know what? They're guilty of something. You know, in the grand cosmic universal scheme of, uh, of things, there's really no innocent person except for this one. He's the only one that's ever been put on trial. And not only should he have been found innocent, he should have been found innocent of everything. But he wasn't. And he could have called legions of angels to rescue him. But he didn't because he saw the need. He looked. What's the old Dottie Rambo song? He saw, yeah, he, saw, he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. That's right. You bet. They scourged him. He was going to be found guilty, although he was innocent, and it all ended up on a hill that looks like a skull right outside of Jerusalem, and he was going to be crucified. But Jesus came to the city, and things were never going to be the same. Things were going to change now for Jerusalem. Okay, everything changes when Jesus shows up. Do you know that? Everything changes when Jesus shows up. We go through on Wednesday night. We start here on uh, 6.30 on Wednesday, but people usually show up about 6 or 6.15 to start eating food and having fellowship and everything. We have a good time. We've got a lot of people in there, don't we? And we also have some of the residents from our Skunk Creek. Sometimes they come in and they get some necessary food. They get some necessary fellowship. People pray with them. This guy over here, every time I'm turning around, you know, Trenton, every time I turn it around, he's sharing the gospel with somebody, this guy. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. This guy over here, he takes that literally. And that's what we should all do, always be sharing our faith. But on Wednesday nights, we're in here, and we're studying about the life of, of uh, Jonah. 
in the book of Jonah. Do you know Jonah in the Bible? Do you remember what God called Jonah to, to do? Yeah, what did God call Jonah to do? Go to, go to preach. That's right. He's a, I'd call you to the head of the class, but you're already at the head of the class, right there, right next to your dad. He called him to go preach in Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly, the Bible describes it as an exceedingly wicked city. It was the capital of the then uh, empire, uh, the uh, Assyrian Empire. Okay, you don't hear a lot about them in history, but in one form or another, they were around for a couple of thousand years. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach righteousness, to preach repentance, because God knew that once the word of God shows up in a town, the guys, I'm not getting too far from the scripture here, things change. Things change. And he calls Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach the word of God. So what does Jonah do? I know you know the answer. What does Jonah do? What does Jonah do? What does Jonah do? Does he go there? Does he go there? He doesn't go. Where does he go instead? He gets on a boat. Nineveh. Yeah, as far as Nineveh, as far from Nineveh as they can get. You know what? This kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? That's it right there. This is it. This is it. Okay. That's right. Okay, I'll take it from here, okay? <laughs> I know, man. That's okay. I got a new assistant right here. But he calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. So what does Jonah do? Jonah goes down to, the, to one of the, uh, probably, what was it, Joppa or something, gets down to one of the harbor towns, and wait a second, Nineveh isn't a harbor town. Nineveh's a couple of hundred miles inland from the ocean, and what, is, what does Jonah do? Jonah says, no, I don't want to go there. These people are mean. These people are wicked. Most of the time, Jesus even said, most of the time, prophets end up getting killed. And besides, Jonah didn't like the people at Nineveh because they were mean and because they were hateful and because they were cruel to the people that they were conquering. And during that time, they had a lot of incursions with the Assyrians, and they were known for their brutality and their cruelty. And Jonah didn't like, what do you, God, what are you doing preaching righteousness and preaching repentance to these awful people at Nineveh? Aren't you glad today? Jonah didn't like them. Jonah even hated them. Can I say that? Jonah did not want the best for them. Jonah wished that they would just fall off the surface of the earth. Aren't you glad today that God is a God of grace? and a God of mercy. And I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you ever before have had somebody, somebody that you really disliked and you thought to yourself, man, I wish they would just blow off the face of the earth. You know what I'm saying? Each and every one of us, that old family member, that old neighbor, that old, you know, whoever it was, I wish that you would just fall off the face of the earth. But God has different plans for that person. He still loved that person. That person that you can't stand, Jesus died for that person. That person that you can't stand to be in the same room with, 
Jesus loves that person. He calls upon them. And you know why? Because Jesus knows that when Jesus shows up in a town, in a city, in a country, in a family, in the life of an individual, that things are going to change when Jesus shows up. Aren't you glad he's a God of grace and God of mercy? So Jonah decides to get into the ship and he says, well, Nineveh's that way. I think I'll go that way as far as I possibly can. And that's where he went to. He went to the ancient land of Tarshish, which at the time is in today, that's modern day Spain on the Iberian Peninsula, you know, modern day Spain, which is as far away as you could possibly get on a ship without actually going out into the open Atlantic Ocean. And who at the time, you know, the Europeans and the Middle Easterns, they didn't know what was on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. So he was getting as far as he possibly could away from that. And so what happens is God sends a great fish to swallow up Jonah to take him because you know what? When God calls you to do something, God means business and he's going to send, even if he has to, he's going to send a fish along to swallow you up and he'll take you where you need to go. But you know what? When the word of God, when the prophet, when the truth, when the gospel, Old Testament kind, but when the gospel, when the truth of God showed up in Nineveh, things started to change. And I'll, I'll get you a little bit of a, because that's where we kind of stopped on our Wednesday night thing. And, but next week and the following week, you know what happens to the city of Nineveh? A great revival breaks out. Maybe the greatest revival ever recorded in scripture. Here's a town of 50 to 100,000 people, which was a good sized town at the time. And you know what they did? They put on sackcloth and ashes. They repented. They changed their hearts before God. And the Bible even said, if it, if it were possible, even the, even the animals were converted. It makes an allusion to the animal. Even the animals were put into a, a specific place. All the laws of God as it pertained to people and even as it pertained to animals, when they repented, their repentance was full. You know why? Because when God comes to town, when Jesus comes to town, whether it be Phoenix, Arizona, or whether it be Nineveh, things are going to change. Let me tell you something. Things are going to change in your life when Jesus comes into your life. Amen. Comes into your life today. Come into your life to stay. Where would you be, Ken, if it wasn't for Jesus? You don't have to answer. Where would you be? In jail or dead? Yeah, that's where a lot of us would be. Where would I be today? I shudder to think where would I would be if it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of God. Sister Nadine, where would you be if it wasn't for Jesus? Well, I hate to think about it. I can't even, that's beyond my comprehension. There's an old time with the Billy Graham crusade, George Beverly Shea, remember that big, booming bass voice that he used to have? You know what he would sing? I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than have riches untold. You know why I'd rather have Jesus? Because when he comes to our, into our life, young people, when he comes into our life, young family, when he comes into our lives, grandmas and grandpas, you know what's going to happen? Stuff's going to change. Things are going to change when he comes into our city, into our state, and into our nation. Here's a couple of things to write down right here. Psalms 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen 
for his inheritance. I moved, how many of you have lived in Arizona like 40 years? How many, let, me see your, let me see your hands. 40 years, 40 years yeah. 41. 41, okay. I've been here about, about, about 38, 39 years. When I first moved here, it was Channel 10 TV. Leola knows what I'm going to say. And do you know how they would sign off at the end? Now, this is back. Now, you younger kids, you know nothing about this. But after the evening news at 11.30 or 12 or whatever, TV went off the air. You remember that? Yeah, it shut off. It had the test pattern and beep. And a lot of times they'd, they'd play the, the national anthem. Joe Dale, you remember that? The national anthem. And I remember Channel 10, okay, would say, and sometimes in between the, the little fillers when they had the station identification in between shows and in between things like that, they would quote this scripture. Blessed is the nation, is the nation whose God is the Lord. It was the American flag. Absolutely right. And you know what? I, I mean, I watch a lot of TV. Trust me, I watch a lot of TV. I haven't seen that lately. Have you? They'd get sued. Do you remember? This kind of is the same thing, but it's kind of, never mind. But, you know, <laughs> do, do, do you know a Charlie Brown Christmas? You, you know what I'm talking about? A Charlie Brown Christmas where Charlie Brown goes, this isn't in my notes. There's nothing in here about Charlie Brown. But you remember how Charlie Brown would go and they, all the gang, all the Peanuts gang, would entrust Charlie Brown to go find uh, a Christmas tree, Right? And Lucy would call him a blockhead. Remember that? Lucy would call him, you blockhead. And so, but what did Charlie Brown go and find? He went and found just this little old bitty, it wasn't even a tree, it was just a branch. Remember the needles following, falling off and stuff like that? And I could go into the whole thing. You guys have seen it over and over and over again. But you remember at the very end where Linus gets up there and he has his blanket, you know, and he gives the speech. You know, I bring unto you great tidings of great joy, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, Christ the Lord. You'll know that the end of the world is near, and it's going to happen one of these days when they cut that part out. Yeah. Of, yeah. And every year there's people who complain about it. Yeah. And it's a great story. This is stories we've heard since we were kids. You know, and the TV stations, you know, they're not a government entity or anything. They can put anything on there they want. But every year there's always a backlash against, oh, they shouldn't be quoting scripture up there. You know what? I say quote scripture. I say pray for this country. I say shout it from the rooftops. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I say put it on our TVs. I say put it back in our schools. Guys, back in, I think it was in the early 60s when they banned prayer from school. Did you ever hear about school shootings back in the 1960s? No. Your, your worst problems back then were chewing gum, truancy, and, and you know, skipping class back then. But now you got guns and knives and every other thing. You know why? Because we've, we've taken prayer out of the school. I remember it was probably 1974 or 75. I had a, uh, it wasn't my fourth grade teacher, but I had a, a substitute teacher. Mrs. Fuller, I just remembered her name just right now, you know, and it was a substitute teacher, and she would come in uh, pretty often and be a substitute teacher. Do you know, 
it meant nothing to me at the time, but you know, we'd pray over the food because it was a small school. We'd eat in our classroom and the lunch tray, the lunch cart would come around to each classroom and we would pray over our food. She'd be fired now. She'd be run out of town now if we prayed over our food. Guys, we need to get prayer back into our, back into our city, back into our state, back into our nation, back into our families. The Word of God also says in Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness, uh, Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation. Another portion of the Word of God also says that when when the righteous are in charge, the people rejoice. But when the wicked make the rules, the people groan. We've got things backwards these days, don't we? We need to get back to the idea just as much as when Jesus entered on that donkey into the city of Jerusalem that things changed, things changed for the better. There was going to be something that happens even though most people don't understand it. You know what? When Christ comes into our life and we get saved, we get born again and and we're serving the Lord, we don't always understand things, do we? But we put our trust in the Lord. Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So things change when Jesus comes to your country or your city or your state, your nation. Things change. Things also change. Things are never the same when Christ comes to your family. I'm looking at this man right here. This is a family. This man and his son right here. This is a family. This is a solid family right here. Christ has put this together. He is reunited. I hear an amen right there. Christ has put these two young men together. And this is a solid family. Let Jesus Christ be in the middle of your family. Catch hands with with your spouse from time to time. Pray over things. Be kind to each other. Be considerate of one another. You know why? Because when Jesus comes to town, when Jesus comes to your family, there's going to be a change. And there ought to be a change. You know what the Word of God says? Word of God says, let me look it up right here. Joshua 24, 15. I'm going to say the first part. You say the second part. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's right. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I have decided to follow Jesus. There was a time in Leola's life when she was, uh, uh, when she was raising five kids and she was going to church and things weren't easy. But you know what? That young mother right there said, as for me and my house, didn't she, Tammy? And sometimes you hated every second of it. That's right. Did that, did that woman ever drag you to church against your will? Yes. Yeah. I hear stories. I wish I could, Leola, I wish I could have known you back then. She would spit fire. You know that? <laughs> Tammy, I hear, I hear stories. Tammy was wearing some sort of a T-shirt that said something or another, something you shouldn't wear to, 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 to church, right? What did she do? Made you change. She tore that shirt right off. You know what? Because righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Do you believe that? That sweet thing right there. Gonna, gonna, 
You, and let me tell you something, Tammy, if it wasn't for that and stuff exactly like that, you might not be sitting here today. That's right. And you guys have gotten tough with your kids from time to time. Hey, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And you also tell them, how many times have you told your kids, hey, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You cut out that foolishness. You stop doing that. You stop, you, you cut out that sin. That's something that we don't allow in this house. That's something that we're not going to allow in this house. As for me and my house, we're going to what? Serve the Lord. We're going to do it. Now, when Jesus Christ shows up to the lives of individuals, there's also a change. Word of God says, uh, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you know what that in there in the original Greek language? One of those things in there. Do you ever, in seventh grade science class, do you ever remember hearing the word metamorphosis? Do you ever remember that? It's the caterpillar that goes into the, its little cocoon. And then after he breaks out of his little cocoon, that's, that's a metamorphosis, right? He turns into a but butterfly. Here this caterpillar is one separate species, not even related to a butterfly, but he's a separate, he's a caterpillar. He's not a flying insect, he's a crawling insect. But something happens. There's a metamorphosis that takes on, and that caterpillar, where did he go? Well, that caterpillar's gone. Your old life is gone. Now, we deal with it from time to time. It'll jump up and it'll bite you right in the backside, men and women. But let me tell you something. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We need to make sure that we, on a daily basis, pray for our country, pray for those in leadership. You know, that might, that might not be a godly man in the White House right now, but God's using him for his purposes. I'll tell you that right now. And we need to pray. You know, and I don't even care. I don't even think Jesus cares about Democrat, Republican. All he cares about is what do you do with thus saith the Lord? What do you do with Jesus Christ and him crucified and him arisen from the dead like we're going to hear one week from today when Pastor Todd is back in this pulpit? What are you going to do with that? Men and women, we have a choice today. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ in your life? Sometimes I think we treat Jesus like a yo-yo. Have you ever had a yo-yo before? Have you ever had a yo-yo before? And you get the yo-yo, and if you're kind of skilled, you can snap that thing, right? And if you set it up just right, it'll, 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 it'll sit there and spin at the very bottom. You know, sometimes I think we do that with Jesus. Our friends come around, our family comes around. Oh, I've got Jesus right here. Let me just get him out of my hand for a second and just keep him at the end of a string. And then once they all leave, just give him a little jerk and he pops back up into our hand. Shouldn't be that way. Jesus needs to be on hand each and every day that we live because you know what? Do you have a problem with your marriage? Christ can solve it. Do you have a problem with your kids? Christ can solve it. Now, you know what? They're going to they're gonna put you maybe through hell on earth sometimes, but Jesus Christ, where else are you going to go? You're going to go to the bottom of a bottle? A lot of us have before. How'd that work out for you? You're going to go, there's, I, here in a couple of Fridays, I'll be preaching and ministering to uh, a group of men at Teen Challenge. 
They've done all that stuff, and it didn't work for them. The only thing they've got to show with that is busted marriages, busted family, busted relationships, a criminal record, and their health is on the decline. That's all they have to show for doing things the world's way. But if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Men and women, we need Jesus in our lives today like never before. Leola and I were listening on, on the way here. I have uh, the, the, the Pandora on the thing, and it routes through the Bluetooth. Anyway, you guys know what I'm talking about. And it was an old Andre Crouch song saying, Oh, I need him like I've never needed anything before. We need to get to that point of desperation with Jesus Christ, don't we? We need him. Is your marriage on the rocks? Turn to the Lord. Is your family in disarray? Turn to the, where else are you going to go? You, you, where, where else are you going to go? We've tried everything else. Now turn to the Lord while he may be found. Amen.